What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. I am your host, Ray. You can find me online on Twitter or the for- site formerly known as such uh, at Rayvon Hackshaw. Joined this week, as always, by my fellow host, Peter Bucket since 88. How is New Orleans treating you? Uh, very good. You know, feeling good. Nuggets are in first place. Just got my tickets. Nuggets are coming to town on Friday, so I will get to see my first action of the Nuggets in person this year. Big game. Nuggets, uh, Pels. It's a big in-season tournament game. Uh, do you feel like the atmosphere is going to be different? What's what's the vibe like for, for Pels Nation right now? Well, it's still football season, Ray, so there's the Saints, and then there's LSU. <laughs> oh, and then gotcha. maybe in okay. January, they'll like start to think about the Pelicans. Gotcha. So we got the Saints, we got LSU, we got a little more parting to do maybe, and then we'll get we'll get to the Pals. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mardi Gras is like uh, right after got the Saints a... season, so. Ah, okay. So maybe I should come through. I don't know. I, <laughs> I probably can't because school, but that's okay. Um, joined by this week, we have a special guest, host of the Drop Step Network and Nuggets media aficionado, Rashad, what's going on? Hello, hello. I, um, it's been a pretty busy week with work and life and trying to push out videos and stuff, but we made it through what I think has been the busiest week in the past few months, and we're on the other side. We're feeling good today. Nice, nice. Glad to hear it, glad to hear it, and I appreciate you joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure being on this show, honestly, like truly. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you have you have a good time. I'm glad we can have a good time together, um, joining in the joys and misery of, of <laughs> being a, the ups and downs of being a fan. So uh, let's jump it's right like into it. It's like a Nuggets I mean, fans therapy session, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, go. yeah. That's that's how always I, I felt about it. Is that like these are things that are in my heart, they're in my mind. I'm thinking about <laughs> them day in and day out, and I'm like, I just need to get them out. You know. Um, but right. before we get into the games themselves, I don't want to bury the lead too much. I mean, I think there's some, uh, there's one guy in, in Denver who I think is, uh, probably having a good night right now as we speak, recording this live Monday. Uh, and that's Michael Malone gets a new, uh, two year contract. I don't think I've seen the dollar amount, but I've heard he is one of the highest paid coaches in mm-hmm. the NBA, which I think is very appropriate. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it, just in the sense that I think it's appropriate. But Peter, do you have any uh, flowers for Mike? Sorry, Michael Malone. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the team, and I'm excited for the fans because, you know, I don't know if you guys got to see, but uh, Josh Kroenke recently went on uh, the DNVR show and, you know, gave those guys like an hour of just sort of insights to the team and ownership and all that stuff. And, you know, he's basically said like, you know, we learned a lot of lessons from the Rams and the avalanche on like how to build championship teams. And, you know, they've proven that once they've gotten to that point that they do try to do their best to keep it together. You know, this isn't a situation where it's like, let's buy a championship real quick and then tear everything down. Cause we've seen that in sports too. Um, this has been, they, they do try to build stuff for the long haul, so I think that they were wise to see that, you know, this team came through, Malone is worth it. And even if it's expensive, you know, it's 
a, a top tier coach is not something that's easy to replace. So as as crazy as the Monty Williams contract was, just from like a dollar amount, I don't think he's a bad coach. But just the amount of money he got relative to what coaches were getting paid was like, whoa, this is like a new ball game. I was immediately worried when I saw that contract. I was like, I don't think the Nuggets are going to pay these kind of prices. But, you know, if that's the new marketplace and you want to win, you got to pay to play. You know, and I'm proud of the Nuggets ownership for putting their money where their mouth is on this one. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's really fair. I mean, he has the results. Uh, he's done everything that has been expected of him. So Can't argue. I think he deserves to be compensated appropriately. Um, Rashad, so, I mean, speaking of some of the best coaches in the NBA, I, mean, I, I think it's interesting because he's so new. You know, he's not one of the, the more, I mean, I think since I've been a child, really, there have been some names that have been just staples in, in NBA coaching circles from Pop to guys like uh, Eric Spolcher, et cetera. Mike Malone being a little bit newer into that conversation, how do you see him in where he is uh, stepping? Let me put it this way. Where do you see his... Um, career trajectory because obviously he's so early compared to those guys but how do you see his career trajectory going into i don't know the next decade the future and just where he's starting from in, in comparing to where it's going yeah um so I'll, I'll i guess i'll preface all this by saying that i used to be one of the hey malone needs to to gtfo you out were of, a fire Malone. I was. Oh, I was no. a fire Maloneer. I know. I know. It's something. Hey, I've he lived said with. was. Okay. I was. Yes. <laughs> I've since changed my ways, but I just think, like, in terms of career trajectory, like you're looking at some of the top coaches in the league right now: Greg Popovich, Monty Williams, Eric Spolstra. Like, I don't think we're going to be talking about Malone as like a top ten, top fifteen type coach of all time. But I think. In terms of effectiveness, mm -hmm. you're looking at like a Rick Carlisle type of thing, you know, probably a couple more championships here and there. He's got his thing. You know, Rick Car Carlisle was offense. Michael Malone really loves his defense. Like, I just think those two in particular have, have pretty similar traits. And you know, Rick Carlisle got his championship, too. Michael Malone's got his now. And I, I, I see a lot of Rick Carlisle type trajectory from Malone. Okay. I have to ask. So... What was the turning point for you? Where, where did you trans? Where, where was the transfer point from the fire Malone train to the love Malone train? I'll say last season, a lot of my problems with him came with Christian Brown minutes because I was a really big, like, play the man 15, 20 minutes, let him get those developmental minutes and, and let's get those early. But, mm -hmm. um, I think, what was the turning point? It happened, like, toward the middle of last season. It was pretty recent. It was not two seasons ago that I changed. But I think it was just, I think how he started utilizing the bench in terms of, like, switching to switch all defense with the bench and, and realizing, like, it was a lot of internalization and, and reflection on my part because a lot of it was just really... I will say I was a pretty I was pretty irrational with my fire Malone stuff, um, but just seeing how okay. he evolved as a I've had my own criticisms as well. So. Right, seeing him evolve with the rage timeouts as the as the season went on, and seeing him trust the younger guys a little bit more, and seeing him 
leave guys out there that have made mistakes during the games. Like seeing those types of changes in a coach that I thought was insanely stubborn before really did do a lot to, to change my mind. I'm not going to lie. I have my own things to add, but Peter, do you have any, any thoughts about, about like the Malone growth trajectory? Well, yeah. So I want to, um, I want to kind of address like just the general fan who was a fire Maloner. Um, you know, there's different ways to go about building teams and coaching teams. And some is like, you know, play the best guys right now to get the quick results. And, you know, this isn't a perfect analogy, but like the way I was taught high school basketball was I played in a system where you, you learned your teammates as best as you could. And if you were really good, you played. And if you were really, if you're good enough to start, a grade above you, you moved up. But if you weren't good enough to start, you stayed at that level. Even if you were a better player than like the sixth man on like varsity or something. So what that taught us is like continuity. And the example I'm trying to lead this to is if you guys remember two, three years ago, there was a lot of fans who were really frustrated with how quick he would pull Michael Porter jr. And Mm -hmm. As a Michael Porter Jr. (laughs) fan, I also was sometimes frustrated that he wouldn't let him play through it. However, he was teaching Mike, and it was more important for Malone to be like, I need you to get to this level in all these other areas before I can trust you. And I think we have to say that that has been proven to work with Michael, with Michael uh, Porter. And so I totally respect his style and, and see what he's doing. And I think sometimes as fans, it's very hard to trust a guy in his method when he hasn't been to the mountaintop before. So I think now that he has, it should be pretty much a no brainer for everybody to be like, let's trust this guy with what he's doing because I do. And you know, you're still going to have bad games here and there, but the people that were like getting mad at Malone last night for the rocket sauce, I'm just like, you either just forgot everything or aren't paying attention. Cause it's like, the NBA's 82 game season, man. Like you're going to lose a lot of games. Mm-hmm. At least 10 games. They're going to lose at, at least, least 10 games. I mean, come on. <laughs> but Ray's no, still I, would, I would add to that the, uh, and say. <laughs> I really am. You're still not holding out hope for the 60, 64 and, and 8 finish? It's going to be tough <laughs> without Jamal. In this this stretch, you know, a, a big part of my seventy win projection was just just being largely healthy throughout the season, um, and not having. I think Jamal specifically it limits the team in certain ways that they haven't. They're going to struggle, I think, to account for. But uh, I'm not writing it off. Still not writing it off. Okay. Anyway, but but we can get to that in a bit. Um, we can get the impacts of not having Jamal in a bit. With Malone. Wait, time out, Ray. I just got to say this real quick on that point. I just got to say real quick because I know you're big on the, like, chasing 70 wins. It's not that I don't believe in the Nuggets. The league is just too talented now. Like, if you go back and look at that Dallas Mavericks team that won, like, 64 games, like, that wouldn't be, like, a top Mm -hmm. four team in the NBA today, in my opinion. I mean, I know that team lost in the first round of the Warriors anyway, but my point is, like, the Nuggets just – 
like look at Houston like last night. That team was not projected mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. They got they got talent. Like the, there's just so much more okay. talent in the league now. I don't think we're going to see a 70 win team like in this decade. I think the East sucks. <laughs> I'll say it. I That's think fine. the East is 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 trash. I'm going to be honest. I, I think the East, the the third seed in the East is going to have like 50 wins, and like the eighth seed in the West is going to have 50 wins. That's how I feel. That's my theory of the case. That's just just a theory. It's just a hypothesis. I could be wrong, and when I'm wrong, I will I will come back on the show and say, Peter, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Well, about and the Nuggets I was wrong mostly the play the West, so that that hurts you. Mm, no, I still think they're going to be best team in the West. They're just going to be the best team in the best well, conference. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm just I'm just I'm just not writing it off anyway. Uh, Okay. But I was always, I was a little bit frustrated with the way Malone would integrate younger players into the roster uh, for I think a lot of the reasons both of you guys have mentioned. Um, not even I think Michael Porter is almost like the culmination of a lot of prior lessons. Even um, guys like Wancho, guys like Malik Beasley, guys like Jared Vanderbilt. You know, guys like Bull Bull, <laughs> Bones Highland, and, and all these other examples. I think it took those guys uh, being stepping stones because I, I I feel like he really perfected that balance of he did hold people accountable. He did hold he holds Michael Porter accountable, but at the same time, I feel the love there. Like I feel the he, the stick with itness, you know, that he's earned. And because he's earned it, I feel like it just means a lot more than it would have otherwise. And unfortunately, Michael Porter, I think, is the highest leverage example of all of those cases. Like the fact that Malik Beasley didn't work out in Denver exactly. Yeah, I was a little frustrated at the time. Yeah, I was a little frustrated we didn't move on from him when we could have if we weren't going to kind of keep him. Sure. But Michael Porter is a max player (laughs) and Malik Beasley is kind of a guy. Wancho is not in the league. Uh, Bones is not playing right now. Bol Bol is... is I don't Bol think Bol. he's playing right now. I, he's not playing. Yeah, so... He's only on the roster I, I because thought he he's might until he, he, he's, he's good at... Okay, I will say he's still <laughs> talented. Okay, I'm not going to write him off as... He, he's good at basketball. He just... He's not... Working very hard in the, the in the in the doing the yeah in the little doing the work hard at all. Yet. Yeah, he's into the lifestyle. I mean, to the extent that he has worked hard, I think it's on specific things. Like, I think he's worked hard on his three looks good. Like, he's worked hard on that. I think, like, for a guy who's seven foot two, uh, sure. Like, he's worked on his handle. That's great. But there are so many other parts of the game that he has holes in that I think are really what hold him back in terms of the reason why he's not Wimpy, right? Um, in fact, I actually want to do a little bit of a shout out. Uh, Rashad actually did a little bit of a comparison video, not to Bull Bull, but to <laughs> Chet Holmgren and Victor Weminyama and some of their details and a lot of the things that those two do well are a lot of the, are filling the gaps that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bol Bol lacks, and even so, it's 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 an interesting topic to me because 
and I think I've said this before, but I do have this faith that like the future of the NBA is more and more seven-footers, not just at the center position, but playing power forward, playing small forward, playing point guard, Larry playing shooting guard. Seven you know? footer, small forward. One day, it's going to be like that Futurama episode where everybody just like seven feet tall, five mm-hmm. seven-footers just on the court. It's going to be great. And you'll have heard it here first. Too green. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I. So, all that is to say, Michael Malone, I appreciate you. I'm glad we didn't fire you. I'm not saying it was yes. all roses all the time, but I'm glad we stuck with it. That's 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 all. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> a bumpy road. I want to talk about a there. little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, to get a little bit into, I guess, the games of, of the past week. I mean, I want to start in New Orleans. It was the furthest from the disappointment one of the uh, very firm solid win and uh i mean peter i kind of want to give you the floor being our resident what do you call uh you know if if a marylander is a marylander and a denverite is a denverite what is a new orleansian a new orleans i guess new orleans um yeah um so the Pelicans were on absolute fire in the first half in this game. Um, you know, the kid they drafted this year in the first round, Jordan Hawkins from Yukon, uh, he can absolutely. He, like, it up. It, it's, it's actually really cool to see, like, rookies that, you know, you know, like, what the idea was, and then it actually pops, like, right away. Like, he's, shooting is something mm-hmm. that if you can get the shot off, that should always translate, right? So he's got a beautiful sh- shot. He was, you know, they were finding him early, and he was hitting it. Um, and then the Nuggets started to make a small little run towards the end of the second quarter to kind of cut it to, like, within a reasonable amount. Because I think I think the Pelicans were up by as much as 20 in the second quarter. And then it was, like, 13-point game at halftime. And that's when Jokic just decided, like, enough screwing around. Like, he went into MVP mode because he was, like, playing harder than everybody on the floor. Poor Valanciunas was, like holding his ground as best he could and still just getting absolutely dominated, like nothing he could do to stop him. And uh, Nuggets also got a big performance from uh, Julian Strother in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of coming out and being like, wait, you know, you're not the only rookie in this game. And he started hitting a bunch of threes and getting confident and, you know, getting the crowd into it. And, I mean, it was it was fun to watch. It was It was a weird game because I don't know how seriously the Nuggets took it at the beginning. You know, some of it was hot shooting, but I think some of it was just like, this is the regular season. (laughs) You know, a lot of regular season games just have like weird feels because I think both teams in the first quarter just kind of come out and like don't know how the game's going to go. They just like feel it out. And like once the Nuggets were down by 20, they're like, oh, crap, this is embarrassing. Like we need to play harder. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. I feel like I was never I don't want to be cocky. But that game was never in doubt to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, watching him shoot, like, the, the hot shooting that New Orleans displayed to me in that first half, it was unreal. Like, it, the Nuggets were playing great defense. KCP was playing great defense. Also, I also want to shout out seven assists for KCP that game. Like, not a game high, wow. but second uh, on the team next to Jokic in an absence of Jamal Murray. I feel like that's big. I just feel like that can't continue forever. 
You know, it's one of those things. Right. Um, for the same reason teams let Aaron Gordon shoot and let Zeke Naji shoot, you know, I was willing to take those bets. I'm not going to lie. And, and fortunately for Denver, it, it did end up bouncing out a little bit. The shooting splits did even out a little bit more in the second half. Um, but, yeah, uh, Rashad, is anyone – I mean, anyone in this New Orleans game or even anyone this week who you specifically feel like deserve just like a little bit more shine, a little bit more credit? I think Reggie Jackson has been a very pleasant surprise for a lot of people in Nuggets Nation. For me specifically, because last season I remember I was uh, when we did end up signing him after the buyout. I was like, oh, I just watched Reggie Jackson in L.A. be like not that good. I'm a little worried about this. Mm -hmm. And then rest of the year, playoffs didn't really pan out. But seeing him, like, defensively, I think is the biggest thing for me. You know, coming in scoring, like, we expected Reggie Jackson to be able to fill at least some of what Jamal was leaving in the scoring department. But defensively, as a point of attack defender, as a screen navigator, seeing him, like, really give a lot of effort and and being paired with KCP when it comes to, to screen and perimeter defense, I think has been... It's been it's been a real joy to watch, and it's been re- it's been making me really happy because he's he's stepping up, and this is exactly why they why they signed him, and he's he's filling out his role. Yeah, you know he's not been toxic. Go ahead, Peter. You know what I really like? What I've really liked about Reggie Jackson, guys. Um, it's been a while since we've had a guard that can blow by his man, like when he does that. You know. <laughs> He'll do like the pick and roll with Jokic on the right side, and then he does the freeze, like because everybody's mm-hmm. expecting the bounce back, and he'd be like, "Oh, you're not in front of me. You're halfway. Well, I'm just gonna go right by you and lay it up." Like I love mm-hmm. it, it, it. It's it's been so frustrating all these years watching like Nuggets get blown by on defense, and then like we have Jamal Murray, who's like I love Jamal, but he's very more like I'm gonna give you seven moves and Methodical. then hit you with a turnaround step back. <laughs> you know, I okay. guess the only guy that really got in the paint recently was like Faku, who can't finish. So it's just like cool to be like, oh, but... no, 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 no. Austin does not have the gear Austin Reggie does. Is. I'm sorry. So he's not it's as been cool fast, to see Reggie just get like handle. He's quick. Austin, I don't know why I'm defending Austin. Austin like, right now. He was better when he made quick decisions, and he made quick decisions like one out of every ten times he touched the ball. So. Reggie's actually been pretty decisive, like more than I expected. Expected, but you know mm-hmm. what's crazy, guys? Like being in the chat during the games, so many Nuggets fans still think that Reggie Jackson, like the ball sticks a lot, and that's like how spoiled we've gotten because it does stick with him more than like the average Nuggets player. But go watch some other games. I'm telling you guys, like the Reggie Jackson has been doing a good job of of being decisive and moving the basketball. He's the point guard. You're, you're supposed mm-hmm. to have the point guard. You know, when Monte was here, I thought he did a good job of finding the bounce, but he still had the ball a lot. But you go watch some other games, like you watch like the mellow ball on Charlotte or something. He's got the ball like 90% of the possession. Yeah. He's definitely bought in, you know, and I, that's very, it's a, it's a, it's a deep relief to know that, you know, maybe his shooting numbers are going to go up and down throughout the season. I'm not, going to hold hold him to that you know expectation that he's always going to be this elite scorer um but knowing that he's bought in i think he's going to create a floor for him defensively on the boards as a passer and just guy who's just going to work within the offense i think that is going to just let him be capable and usable and playable uh 
throughout the year without me pulling the rest of my hair out. So um, that's that's been nice. I mean, I'm pretty happy. It was pretty nice to see. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I'm, I, this was at this point. I'm still in my um, the honeymoon phase of like, yeah, the Nuggets still really damn good. So and then they kind of transitioned to uh, Golden State, which is I feel like is one of the bigger. I mean, I know Golden State not the best team in the league last year, but I think just by reputation and, and by expectation, just kind of a more of a marquee game um, for Denver. And they really, I feel like they really elevated uh, to the occasion. Um, I think especially defensively. I feel like um, Steph Curry just, not to say that he didn't get his because it's Steph Curry and you know he's always gonna get his to some extent, but I th- I felt like Denver really made him work, and mm-hmm. and I feel like oh, that almost makes all the difference when you're talking about a team like that. Um, so Rashad, I'll throw it to you. I mean, do you have any uh, just points of emphasis, thoughts, takeaways from that game in particular? Um, I like you mentioned like getting Steph Curry out of his usual offensive flow, especially off ball, is probably the most important thing you can do against that Warriors team because, like, yeah, Draymond is is. The, I would say the primary playmaker. Chris Paul's a primary playmaker, but that offense runs through Steph. He is their engine, and KCP did a really good job of, I think, cutting off a lot of clean angles for Steph coming off of off-ball screens and really forcing him to, I think, work more than probably what Steph even wanted to. Like We know Steph runs around the court all the time, but I think KCP did a good enough job of being on his ass enough and, and making him run even more and i think that ended up translating a lot into some bad shots in the middle like he ended up i think he didn't make a single shot inside the three-point line or he might have made one in that game and a lot of that was due to the pressure that he got on the perimeter and and how well people were sticking to him around those screens and i think if that is able to be replicated for the three or four times that we see them i'm looking at a series sweep i know that's a little little ahead of ourselves, but I think they showed a really, they showed a lot of good things defensively against Steph that really make me happy. Can I just like mentally live in the headspace where the Nuggets are sweeping the Warriors? Oh, yes, for like five I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) I am here. That would be nice. I feel like, you know, I I feel like Steph would go off at least once on us. And that's, Steph can uh, go off. That's, the rest of the team just, the offensive production isn't there for the Warriors as a whole. And the defense is not what it used to be in terms of being top 10, top five. Like there are a lot of holes in this defense. Their bench can't score. And it's a lot of problems. this year. I think it's a really different series matchup this season than what it has been in the past few years between these two. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clay's definitely lost some juice. Yeah. Chris Paul. I mean, yeah, he's, he's running the bench unit, but yeah, he hasn't been shooting it well. And then you're like you said, their bench can't really score, and uh, you know Wiggins has kind of lost his game. He was so big for them in that finals run mm-hmm. a couple years ago. He's really struggling. But um, no, the main thing that stood out to from this game for me, Rashad, you already mentioned it. I thought KCP was outstanding. I thought that mm-hmm. was. This may sound like hyperbole. I think that might be the best game he's played in a Nuggets uniform. Like, it, that game is right up there with the game that he scored 18 in the first quarter in Phoenix in game six. But, but like, guys, here's, mm-hmm. here's the difference, right? You guys can know a great defender 
you know, a guy that's like really quick laterally and like has good instincts and stuff, there's a still a big difference between that and then actually like scouting your opponent and knowing exactly what you have to do and where to be. Because if you just walk into a gym and you've never seen a guy play, you can be an elite defender and still get cooked all game long because mm-hmm. you don't know what's coming. But with Steph, KCP did such a good job of getting up on him, being in his space, and guarding him like 30 feet out to the basket and then forcing him to drive and not get clean looks. You know, there was a really great clip. I forgot who posted it on Twitter of like, there was a play where he was hugging him so tight that Steph cut back door and Jokic saw it off ball, got in the way, and Steph was like, you know, he beat KCP by like a half step towards the basket, but Jokic was there to defend that lane, and Steph was like, ah, oh, man. Like, basically, it was like, you know, most of the time I would get that cut. So uh, just the Nuggets as a whole did a great job of knowing where he was at all times, and that's what's so important is, like, he's like the head of the snake, right? He's so good, but if you do a good job on him, you have a much better chance of, of slowing them down as a whole. And I, I really think it all started with KCP. For sure. And and I had to look this stat up because Rashad, you mentioned it in your, your latest uh, YouTube video, but KCP went like 38% from the field. Oh yeah. For three, Offensively, from not three. there. Not there. <laughs> Team high plus 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like yep. that is just like the, 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 the marker of an old, just, an elite defensive effort you know it's just one of those things is that like on a basketball court you only have so much energy and i think Mm -hmm. i might come back to this point a little bit um with the next game that we talk about but you only have so much energy and you've got to spend it somewhere and i think kcp locked in 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 such a strong way on and understanding to your point as well peter on like what is important to slowing down the warriors if kcp had scored five more points or 10 more points, but Steph drops 20 right. more points. Hey, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. Right. Like the, the real he approach that basketball game that. as what do I need to do so that to help my team win? Right. If, if you would have mm-hmm. taken KCP off the nuggets that night and given us Trey young, is it the same result? Probably a completely different ball game. Right. But Trey young would not have had the mentality of like, I got to stick with Steph Curry all night. Right. Right. So I want to give him like all his flowers because I think defense is one of those things, especially for guards. It's one of the least glamorous things uh, in the NBA, especially mm-hmm. with the way the rules right. are in the way that that perimeter players are so catered to offensively. Um, and in the way that most people, I think, watching the game aren't as uh, to the untrained eyes <laughs> no, or whatever it might be. Um Aren't just aren't looking for those th- those details. So I, a lot like you know, I'll, I'll make yeah. our weekly NFL analogy. Uh, it's like offensive line play. You know, if it's going well, you're not going to be paying attention to it. Um, so shout sure. out to him. Shout out to the Nuggets for winning that game. And uh, hopefully, if they do, you know, meet in the playoffs, I think it's uh, a sign of things to come in the future. Especially because Jamal will be back. And I kind of. If they get Draymond back and we get Jamal back, I, I feel like uh, one of those guys is going to make a bigger impact than the other. Just me. I don't know. Hey, relative to who's going to be guarding who and, you know, all that sort of thing. So um, mm-hmm. I want to shift gears a little bit to the Houston Rockets, the new Houston Rockets, I feel like. They are no longer a trash team. 
they've made some additions they've brought in some actual nba veterans and brought in a new coach and really changed their culture around a lot because it seems like they're uh streaking a little bit um closing out their home stand against the denver nuggets with a 107 104 victory i gotta say when i first felt it felt bad it felt bad on on its face but taking a little bit of a step back you know, taking a deep breath, looking at how well they're playing against other teams and who else they've beaten. I'm a little more okay with it. You know, it could be worse. Um, but Peter, I'll throw it to you on a scale of one to ten. How bad of a loss do you feel like this is? This was. Um, well, ten being a five or long. You know, ten being like ten a fire. being like ten being losing a three-one lead in the playoffs, and one being a win. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a one, I, I, a, a low, like a, a two one being or like losing three. A game. I just no, I'm I'm just not worried. Like it was, I thought the Rockets played well. I thought the Nuggets could have played better. I thought this game was like the first game that really showed the absence of Jamal Murray because. Mm-hmm. As great as Jokic is, we've seen what a Jokic ceiling team is, right? Meaning like the the team that beat Portland in the playoffs without Murray <laughs> and then got swept by the Suns. Mm-hmm. Like that's how incredible Jokic is. He can still win you a playoff series. But then you have nights like this where if you guys were watching what the Rockets were doing is they had Sangoon guard Jokic one-on-one and they basically never helped. They're just like, why would we help? Because this guy's mostly just going to kill us with twos. And that's kind of what happened. Like, as as great as Jokic's stat line is, I think he finished 50% from the field, which is great for mm-hmm. an average NBA player. And for Jokic, it's well below his average, which is, like, insane to think about, right? So it's like, technically, he still had a bad game with 36, 21, and 11. Um <laughs> But the rest of the Nuggets say, just, you know, other didn't than Mike, for just eight didn't from really the have the offense. No, he did. Like, I'm, I'm not putting this on Jokic. That's not my point. It's just like the no, Rockets no, were like, hey. I just want to shout him out for that. Who else is Because he's yeah. been struggling. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and then I thought Van Vliet cooked us all night. You know, it's. I thought that the Rockets had a chance to be competent this year. But I'm a little, you know, alarmed at how quickly they built the chemistry, right? So I think, mm-hmm. you know, ball knowers, as we like to say, have known for a while how good Alperin Sangoon is. So it's kind of cool to see him build that chemistry with Van Vliet so quickly because I think Van Vliet's always been kind of like a... I, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, but, like, some people really like his game and other people are like, oh, he's overrated. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. he's a winner, man. You know, like, he literally won a ring and he played great in those finals. So... Maybe he's not a max level point guard, but if you went from being a shit team, he can get you from being there to being a competent team, and that's what he did. And uh, he played well, and the, the the Rockets hit their shots. You know, Jeff Green got hot, and uh, the Nuggets bench had a rough night. And what happened? Mm-hmm. Nuggets lost by two possessions. So, not worried because you lose a road game by two possessions to a team that's six and three. I don't think the Nuggets lost much sleep that night. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I didn't love it, 
like I still don't love losing games, and this does put a damp again. This puts a damper in my like 71 season projections. But hey, it could be worse. Um, Rashad, I'll ask you this: Did it does how does it bother you that it was Jeff? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Because Jeff Green, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I appreciate your time with the Nuggets. We lost I really to the ball we lost to the damn bald spot. We lost to a Jeff Green that was rebounding, that was defending multiple positions, that was hitting threes. Like, it was the most infuriating part of this game by far. I'm glad. Look, I'm glad that the Rockets are good. I made a video about them and their comparisons with the Nuggets over the summer. I think they have a really good chance to be special and maybe make the play in this year. I didn't think Jeff would be the reason why. I didn't think Jeff 15 points would happen. <laughs> I'm with you. It hurt. It hurt my feelings. That's all I'm saying. Just because I know 85% of the time, that's not who he is. You know, he's right. not doing. He's not getting those rebounds. He's not playing that defense. Team high plus 14. He's not by those the way. buckets. Oh boy, I just feel like uh, Wait. you know we. Ray, I have to ask you. You think Jeff had this game circled on the calendar, or is this just random? <laughs> Yeah, I, I sure. think he did. Um, I think, you know, obviously, anytime you have a, you know, you've got a team who lets you go for somebody else, for somebody else's or whatever, it's just like an ex. Like, you know, right. somebody picks, you breaks up with you to be with somebody else, you know, you get, you see him in this. Imagine, you know, you're at the basketball court and your ex's guy is there. <laughs> I, I would cook him. I would try to cook him. I'm not going to lie. Um, Alright. Not because I hate him, but because it's just it's just It just is what it is. It's just what is what it is. It has it is what it is. Ray, uh, you seem like you're playing a little harder for... today. No, what are you talking about? I always play this hard. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say I always play hard in the basketball court. Anyone who's played basketball will be has never said I'm lazy on the basketball court. But that being said, I, I, I do have to say, you know, when Jeff Green locks in he is a really good player. And mm-hmm. at 37, you know, at, look, I'm 29. I understand the, freak, the, the the difficulty of locking in as frequently as when you're 22, 23, 24 years old. So there is a difference there. You know, I feel that and I respect that. And uh, I'm happy for him that he is finding success because mm-hmm. I also saw his photo at Media Day and it did not look. Oh, man, he looks so joyful. sad. <laughs> Yeah, it did not. It was not good vibes. Um, well, I don't know Uncle if he doesn't Jeff like the food in Houston rank, so. or. <laughs> Thank you for Jeff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all good. You know, I'm not mad. I just, I hope we get them back. You know, next time I hope we get them back. We will. And uh, for sure, I hope. Let Let's talk. Let's Let's revisit this subject in Game 65. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as I'm down his effort levels. <laughs> Um, that's about it. I'm not. I'm not too upset. Uh, yeah. I, I'm shout out to Houston for being another good team in the West. Uh, I think that is just also just really impressive to me in general that they've been able that they've realized that hey, we weren't moving in the right direction. They made the adjustments that they needed to, and they've they're putting together a competent you know organization out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Do you guys want to take a quick break and we'll come right back? I'm, yeah, I'm good. 
Cool. And we'll see you in a second. Let's see. And we are back. So, uh, before we let off of Nuggets games specifically, I kind of want to talk about, and especially that Rockets game. So, it was the return of the bad bench. The bad bench is back, guys. <laughs> um, Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup kind of feels like it has been a bit of a tipping point for them. Uh, Rashad, I kind of want to throw it to you. How are you feeling about it in general? I mean, are you concerned? Do you feel like this is going to be an ongoing trend? Do you feel like there is something we can't, the Nuggets, uh, can do, should do? So on, anything, anything you want to say on it? Um, it's man, the second unit is just so compri- It's 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 built so specifically in that it's primarily defenders that are coming off the bench playing for the Nuggets, and you really, really, really need an above average slash elite scorer to go along with them to make that work. I think I was not surprised by the lack of offense. I was disappointed by it. I'm disappointed by the fact that CB, Strother, and, and Peyton Watson all went 0 for 8 combined off the bench in the game against the Rockets. And I'm upset that the offense hasn't looked really good, but it hasn't surprised me at all. Like, I, I knew hey, CB is not going to be your offensive threat coming off the bench. Peyton Watson is still raw, he's still young. He barely played last season. Zeke Naji is going through some things right now. I don't think Zeke Naji has been having a really good season at all. Um, and, and I like, I said this in a video not too long ago, like you're, you're putting a lot of extra pressure on a lot of, a lot of young guys who aren't as experienced to step up ahead of their progression schedule. And the team is still eight and two. Like I, the starters are carrying this team right now, but when, when you look long-term and you look toward the rest of the season and as, you know, people take rest games and injuries maybe pile up at certain points in the year, like you're looking at, you're looking at 20, 21, 22 year olds to come step up. And, and right now it's been, it's been a little disappointing so far, the lack of production overall. That's fair. I mean, I think with Zeke in particular, it's, tough because I don't know what his I it's I don't put it entirely on him being untalented because I feel like he's had a lot of change mm -hmm. in his career he came into the league as a power forward there was a period where Denver was you know maybe you could play small forward and he explored his game and it didn't go well and then he went back to the four and then we needed a center and we've kind of encouraged him to bulk up a lot and sort of change his shot and become more of a post presence and, and try to navigate the NBA as a modern small ball five, which, you know, I think it also comes with his own set of challenges, um, you know, in the same way that being a true big requires a lot of physicality, rebounding, screen setting, those sorts of things, things that he might have struggled with. I think being a small ball five, 
um, you know, I think about some of the best small ball fives in the league. Those are guys who have good hands, who are good passers, who are good shooters, who can, you know, create a little bit for themselves and for other people. And um, I just think it's a lot to ask of him. At the same time, he's not doing any of it, <laughs> really. I respect the hustle. He's hustling. He's working so hard. I, I and, and so I don't want to take any of that away from him. Um, but I think, you know, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, not having Jamal with that bench unit mm-hmm. and not having Reggie Jackson with that bench unit really feels like it exposes, in my mind, exposes him most of all in the sense that when you have a Colin out there and you don't have that isolation score, Colin, I think, really needs a lot, a lot like Monte Morris. I think he, Monte Morris benefited a lot from having Mason Plumley. Not that Mason Plumley is this elite player, but they created together. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a great duo, a great pick-and-roll duo because of their overlapping skill sets. And I think with Colin and Zeke, it really just doesn't feel like – I'm sorry, I, I hate Zeke screens – like mm-hmm. I, maybe I can maybe I'll focus on this in like a video or something like that. But Zeke sets screens a lot with his hands, and it's really not something I would. If I were to show someone how you set, it, you don't use your hands. You use your body usually. Even guards, you know, a lot of Jamal's a great screen setter. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of guys in the league at varying sizes who aren't six eight, six ten, six eleven, who aren't. You know, who can do it? It's just uh, I don't think it's something that's clicking for him right now um but it's learnable so i'm hoping that they can figure it out um it's kind of i think it would do the most for that bench unit but i mean peter i know he's not the only person on the bench i mean what have what have what were your thoughts i mean i'm sure you found i'm sure you weren't excited watching that bench unit but I'm sure you're not focusing on it too much in the sense that we are eight and two, you know, Nuggets are eight and two, so it's not the end of the world. Um, but what are some of your takeaways just from watching uh, that Rockets game and really the bench unit throughout the, the early season portion? Yeah. So I think even though he's gotten the least amount of run this year of the three between Brown Watson and Strother, you know, the three wing players. Strother is the guy I trust the most offensively. Like he's because he knows who he is. He knows that he's going to cut off hard off a curl. And if he's open, he catches it. He's firing that thing up. And if he's not, and somebody's trailing, he can drive and either kick or go with a floater with Watson. I feel like he's very unsure of himself on offense. And like, he's not, he doesn't have a bad handle. It's not elite. It's I would actually say it's it's fine. But he often is like so good at like getting into the lane and then he just doesn't know what to do. And you know, he's not super confident in a shot. And then with Christian, his shot just isn't falling at all right now. So I think the key for him is like just get in the gym and keep shooting hundreds of threes every day. Because once his three starts going in at a respectable clip, that will open up you know, people closing out hard on him and the driving lanes. Cause he, he really has noticeably improved his handle. I know he was like the, the talk of mm-hmm. camp or whatever. I'm always skeptical when like coaches say like, Oh, this guy, watch out. Like I really didn't believe it. 
with Christian. And I'm not going to say he's blown me away, but he does look significantly better last year with the basketball. He just, it hasn't translated to like full impact. Um, you know, he's been up and down. And then with Zeke, you know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. But I I really just think that Zeke is not a guy that can lift, you know, a bunch of bench players. He kind of does need better talent around him to be effective. Um, and I just wish that Malone would, like, stagger more while Jamal's out. You know, he did in the second half, if you guys noticed. He kind of had to do that with Mike. Yeah. I, think, I think he has to do that going forward, guys. I think he has to be like, hey – you know, let's let's get Christian and Peyton and maybe even Zeke to play with Jokic and with Reggie, um, you know, in an offense where you can kind of just fit in around Jokic. There was – I have something to say about that because that's a really good point. There was a lineup that they ran oh – God, I cannot remember what game it was in. Um, but there was a lineup on the floor of Jokic, KCP – Peyton Watson, um, Julian, and I believe Reggie Jackson. And that lineup for oh, the, the low amount of minutes that they played together. Yeah, 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 yeah. That lineup was producing. And they only played, like, I think five or six minutes together mm-hmm. up in that game. But the, what they showed on both ends of the floor and not having a traditional point guard because you do have Jokic on the floor and you, you have him facilitating for these younger guys who can't really do it for themselves right now. And Reggie Jackson, like, he's a good scorer, but you don't want him to be your primary. And having him with Jokic and, and, and the defensive weapons in that lineup was, I think that's a bright spot that they can look forward to and, and hopefully utilize a lot more as the season goes on because that was a really good lineup. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I really, I feel like Zeke can supplement. Zeke's been really good at the four. You know, I think a lot of Zeke's best minutes can be at the four if Next they're looking the to move Aaron and Mike into those sort of bench dagger minutes, uh, especially because they don't really have. I've been, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, what if they played DeAndre? You know, I, I think he sets better screens than Colin. But I also feel like it presents different issues for you. You know, you might be solving one problem and introducing. Then you can't switch no more. Three more. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. You can switch even less Mm -hmm. because I think even introducing Colin, it's really reduced their ability to Mm -hmm. to to switch screens and for him to chase guys around screens. He's not. He's not KCP. You know, he's not even Reggie Jackson in terms of the length Mm -hmm. uh, and the switchability. So. I think uh, as much as I always been hesitant to be a staggering fixes everything guy i think for the nuggets in their current position and how the team is constructed right now playing Jokic a bit more with uh with peyton with zeke with some of those other guys and in letting letting mike cook off the bench um letting aaron cook off the bench because they can create for themselves a little bit more Mm -hmm. they can create for others a little bit more I think that might be the most effective way to move forward, especially while Jamal's out. Um, also, though, I'm kind of interested in... Uh, I don't think it's early enough to fairly make a lot of rotation changes right now, like wholesale. Mm-hmm. But Hunter Tyson is a guy who I feel like offensively, I think, just kind of 
can pull a Vlatko impression in terms of just fitting in, uh, being a guy who maybe also isn't going to go over whatever from the field consistently, um, who can not even on ball all the time, but even off ball, which I think can be just as valuable as long as you've got somebody paying attention, uh, especially if it's a guy like Colin. Um, or even maybe we get Bodie Ball at some point. We'll see. I think that's an option that they can go to. But um, I think the biggest impact, right, because these are the guys that play the most minutes, are going to have to come from Michael Porter, are going to have to come from Aaron Gordon. And I think as a whole, my hope for the team is just, like, shoot with more confidence, you know, for Christian, for Zeke, for Peyton, for, honestly, uh, Mike shoots with plenty of confidence. Uh, no, he, he's fine. But Aaron Gordon, I think in particular, because teams are, are leaving him open a lot, and that's just like the option they're picking. They're picking their poison. So, I mean, I just hope they, yeah, get comfortable shooting those threes because I think those are going to be the things that guys leave open for them throughout the season. Um, and if they do that, I think they're going to be fine, honestly. that This might not be the end-all, be-all uh, of where the bench, you know, ends. It, it's game 10, you know, and we've got 72 more. So I think there's a lot of room for that that unit to improve. And they're not going to be consistently minus 15s. So at least that's my hope. That's that's my hope. That's where that's where my heart is. <laughs> um, I got I got a question for you guys. You guys want Peter? Just yeah, real quick, sure. I, I know we we're talking about the bench, but when you're missing Jamal, you're missing twenty and eight. Do you guys want Aaron Gordon to be a little more aggressive at all during this time, or do you like the fact that he's basically like staying mm. at his water level of like I'm not going to play outside my game. I'm going to stick to this great role that I'm at, and I'm just going to keep doing that. I think that's a lineup issue because what we saw in the playoffs last year when they were running Aaron Gordon as the backup five with that backup unit, I think that allowed uh, that opened up the game for him to be able to be that creator, to be able to take advantage of mismatches and, and, and I think operate really well as a screener, really well as a passer for the, for a lot of the other guys in that second unit. And you'd, the problem with AG as like a, a more aggressive creator is the lack of a jumper. And it, it just takes away so many different yeah. opportunities for him in terms of like creating advantages for other people. Because the way he does it now is by bully balling into the paint, collapsing two, and then hopefully kicking out to whoever is the open shooter on the, on, on the perimeter. The problem with that now, if you're putting him with the bench, is that he ain't got no shooters to shoot when he passes the ball. So it's like, a lot of his minutes are run with Jokic, and, and he has that role with Jokic. He knows what to do. He knows to be the screener. He knows to sit in the dunker spot. That's his role. And until we get, I think, stronger shooting in the bench unit and more minutes with AG as a five in general with the bench, that's when we're going to see a lot more aggressiveness. I, I want to see it, for sure. I want to see AG in this time getting up to, like, 18 points a game because we know Aaron Gord can score the basketball. It's just a matter of him, like, will being able to or willing to step outside of his normal role for this for this time period. I would right pretty much long as he can scale it. back down. Um, I think the main, the biggest key is just. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest key is just the spacing. Is that he needs the space to mm-hmm. be aggressive. Uh, he can't 
I mean, yeah. he can, honestly, he probably can uh, go against triple teams in the paint mm -hmm. to some extent, but that's going to be not, it's not a long-term solution. You know, I think that's something that he could maybe do for a game or two or mm -hmm. a few or a handful or a week or a month, but eventually that kind of, that kind of wear and tear, I think is a little bit of a, it's a bit much. Mm -hmm. um, so he, I think if we can surround him, if the Nuggets, I, I always, I struggle with that. We, the Nuggets. My heart, they're with the team. But uh, if the Nuggets can surround him with the appropriate amount of shooting, you know, I think that'll, he could have, he might be on triple double watch. I don't know. We'll mm -hmm. see. Uh, I kind of want to do a bland, maybe a, a quick run through of the Nuggets, the games we've got on the docket for this week and a little bit of around the association conversation. Uh, two in season tournament games, especially. First one being against the Clippers, and honestly, they're the team I'm just most intrigued by. It's almost like watching the Hindenburg. But, um, yeah, the Clippers, the most – are they the most anti-Nuggets team? And just in terms of how a team can be constructed and built, I mean, it might be the Suns, but they're they're right up there. Um, tomorrow night, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Mountain Time at home. Uh, they come into town. Bones comes – not home, but uh, <laughs> comes back to Denver. Uh, obviously not home. Um, and, you know, along with Kawhi, along with PG, along with James Harden. I mean, maybe. I don't know how it's going to go. It just feels very. It feels like one of those situations that could go a bunch of different ways because they're on this sort of tailspin that could continue. I could totally see that, but at the same time, you never know. A lot of teams get overlooked, and that's when they end up performing their best. Um, and, and sometimes even trades like that, they take time to sink in. So, um, Rashad, I'll throw it to you. I mean, how do you feel about the Clippers project in general and how, you know, in this matchup in particular for the in-season tournament game, how that all fits in? Um, I'll say the Clippers in general, I was a big fan of how their team was constructed prior to the James Harden trade. I think they had a lot of good pieces that gelled around Russ's playmaking with the second unit and PG and Kawhi's ISO play and, and having as many versatile defenders as they did have. And now to trade it all away for another guy who's going to add ISO for another guy who hasn't shown to be a completely winning system um it made me mad it made me mad because i thought this clippers team was going to have a pretty decent season this year and now i'm i'm like totally out on them but um in terms of their matchup with the nuggets i've said this before i i always thought that the nuggets group was a cakewalk i, I really don't think any other team really holds a candle to us in this in group b and it's going to be more of the same the clippers aren't that good of a defensive team they don't guard the three-pointer really well um I think the biggest issue maybe for the Nuggets would be um, probably dealing with the the secondary tertiary scoring from the Clippers because they do have Norman Powell. Uh, if Bones ends up getting minutes, you know he can he's going to shoot the ball. He's gonna, he's going to put up some points at least. Like ultimately, Nuggets are going to win. I don't. I'm not really worried or anything. Um, but. Yeah, that's all I got. Clippers just disappointment so far, so I'm really low on them at the moment. <laughs> that's fair. 
you're buying into this line. I, I yeah. mostly agree. But uh, Peter, do you have any thoughts about about the the other team, the other LA team? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, when uh, when I first heard about this trade and it went through as official, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I was a little worried. I was like, wow, you know, that's a lot of star power to uh, to put in one team. I'm I'm kind of interested to see how this looks. And obviously, it's early, but it's been awful so far. You know, and and guys, this is what we love about basketball, right? You know, there more isn't always better. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. the thing about James Harden is that, you know, if we're being honest about his game, like he's very elite at a few specific things. But if you're not going to give him the ball full time, that's a waste of James Harden because he's a bad defender. He's a bad transition defender and he's you know, he's whatever as a rebounder. Like, if he's your point guard, it's fine. But when you're playing Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, you're just very, like, perimeter heavy. And they're kind of small, you know. And, and Zubak is fine. But he's, like, a replacement level center, you know. And, and so that's, like, a pretty bad matchup against the Nuggets. Um, if, if you got Zubac to guard Jokic, like, he, he tries against them, but Jokic doesn't see him. And so, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to bury them right now, but it has not been encouraging. Um, <laughs> I actually was rooting for them to beat the Grizzlies the other day just because I wanted them to, like, get the monkey off their back and, like, <sighs> you know, have, like, a deep breath going into the Denver game. But now that they still haven't won with Harden, I'm worried that they're going to come out and, like, I'm not going to say bust our ass, but, like, I, I feel like they're they're due for a good game at some point, right? Like, these are still good basketball players. They did get forty piece by the Nuggets last year too, so there's that. I can tell, I can see that happening. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little <laughs> little anxious. I'm a little anxious about this game. Um, obviously, the Nuggets have the best player on the court, right? Full jump. They are the more physical team. They're the larger team. And I think those things uh, are so. So those things are in Denver's favor. At the same time, everything you guys said is well, very true. The the Clippers are gonna have a lot of motivation. They are. You could just say they're kind of due. Um, they can't lose every single game. Um, they we did bust their ass before. We did get that three one comeback in the playoffs that one time. I mean, there's a lot of things. The bones dynamic is going to be very interesting. I don't know if we're. I don't know if he's. Is he getting a ring ceremony? I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know the. I don't know how the fans are going to respond. I'm not. I don't think they'll respond kindly. Uh, and I think that might even give them a little bit more. They might even throw a little bit more fuel on that fire. And uh, at a time when the Nuggets bench is reeling a little bit, hey, I think this is going to be a close, competitive game. That's what I'll say. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go, but I, I do, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a close game. That, that's, that's what I do feel confident in. Um, it should be fun. I feel like this is great for... Peter, if you want to, sure. Yeah, I Go just, off. I was just thinking about one thing matchup wise in this game. You know, it's so interesting. Sometimes we'll see coaches play a matchup that doesn't work, and we're like, why doesn't he go away from it? And it's because they don't want to kill the guy's confidence. 
I really hope that Michael Malone goes to Colin Gillespie before this game and says, hey, man, you can't play tonight. It's not personal. But, like, I was just thinking about if he's matched up against Russell Westbrook, even Westbrook at this stage in his career, that is not going to go well. Because we were already watching the Houston game the other night. And, you know, Shad, you mentioned earlier how, like, he just can't switch anything. He's just so little. And it's like mm-hmm. the Clippers, you know, Harden – and, and Kawhi, those guys have been playing mismatch ball for years. So I kind of think this is a game where either we see Jalen Pickett or you, you stagger Reggie so that you always have Reggie or Jokic on the floor and you don't play another point guard because that's, that concerns me. KCP came that's in the league matchup. as a point guard. That's also yeah. something I've been thinking about. Just putting it out there uh, because I do have that concern. Even worse, I have this like – negative vision in my head of Bones cooking Colin Gillespie <laughs> and then going, wow, high city, baby. And that would be so terrible. I would have a terrible oh, time. God. I would not want to wait. And he has the, like, I know he would do that. Uh, but Bones, if you're listening, please don't. I'm... Anyway, uh, I'm a little worried about it, but, you know, one game is one game. Uh, we, we don't have to right. dwell on it too much. There's there's more to do this week. Um, I did want to touch on, uh, you know, the game. Peter, I think you're gonna, you said you're going to earlier you're going to be at this game on Friday. Um, Pelicans, Nuggets. Are you, are you excited for it? Are you feeling the... I mean, I know Pelican Nation may, may not be fully in on uh, whatever's going on in New Orleans right now, basketball-wise, but... Um, You'll be so. What's what's how, how you feeling about this one? Yeah, I know I, a lot of smaller NBA cities are kind of like weekend warriors in that it, they've had good crowds for the weekend. So a Friday night game, I think it'll be pretty packed in there. It'll be rocking, you know, defending champs coming in, and this is going to be my first time uh, getting to see Michael Porter Jr. play live. So I'm excited for that. Um, I wasn't able to make it to the the Pels Nuggets game last year, but. You know, two years ago, MPJ and Jamal were out. So, unfortunately, I won't get to see Jamal yet, but it'll be cool to see some uh, some Nuggets I haven't seen play before. Yeah, that would be nice. Always nice, I should say. Um, predicting a win, loss, draw, close game. Andy, do you want to lay out oh, the yeah. predictions? I know. That I mean, open we to win. That as well. I've, I've been to – is it two or three? No, I've, I've been to two – Nuggets Pels game so far. Nuggets have won both. Actually, that's the funny thing. When I don't go, the Pels win. So good thing I'm going this week. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm in. I'm down. I I think uh, I'm with you. I think the Nuggets win that game. Let's do it. Uh, before we close out, I mean, last game of the week I believe will be the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I just feel like. This is like the least. I think this is the boring game of the week. I'm not gonna lie. Didn't not to say that Cleveland is not. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, I just so when I say boring, it's not to say that they're gonna win comfortably or that they're locked to win comfortably. I think it's the game that's gonna be least circled. Like I, I, I see oh, right. the Clippers game. There's a lot of focus on that. Uh, these are both, we're talking about the prior two, two in-season tournament games. Uh, yes. This is the non-in-season tournament game. This is the team, the game against an Eastern Conference opponent that Denver doesn't yeah. see that often. 
they've got a flight to catch, so to go from Denver to New Orleans to Cleveland. Uh, it's almost a trap game. I might even mm-hmm. I might even say that where they should win. Like really, this is the game they should win. Maybe the, the Pelicans game is the game they should win, but I think they should. Pels got a lot of injuries right now. Yeah. The Pels, uh, the Pels are not looking good right now, Ray. They, the Mavs had over 100 points uh, still in the third quarter yesterday. Oh, okay. So they should win both these games, but, you know, we shall see. I, yeah. I guess is my, my, my sense of it. Um, Rashad, I mean, when it comes to Cleveland, um, I don't know what too much else to add. I mean, are you... When you look at the slate of games, right, how do you stack rank these in terms of where you expect the focus to be, the emphasis? You know, when Mike Malone is going through the uh, scouting reports and and so on and so forth, um, yeah, where does that weight fall? And and does it – are you worried about Cleveland, I guess, relative to these other two games? Um. Only worried about in the sense that you guys were saying, like it, it does feel like a really a, a pretty obvious trap game, and like Cleveland has been, they've been pretty up and down all year. Um, they've got two really quality wins against the Warriors, though, and um, I see, I can see them coming out really hot offensively. I'll say that I think I can see Donovan Mitchell going off for like 30, 35 points, but. That's pretty much where my thoughts on the Cleveland matchup really end because, like you guys said, we don't see them. There's not really How? much to, you know, we don't hold think on about to. them. Yeah, we, honestly, like, no one. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. No one thinks about Cleveland. I'm I'm right there with Joakim Noah in the sense that no one goes on vacation to Cleveland. <laughs> uh, this is also my bias as a Ravens fan coming out. I I don't really mm. care for Cleveland, uh, but ooh, tough one. It's also four four Mountain Time, so is that oh. was that five five o'clock mm-hmm. their time? Uh, I think it's a little bit early as well. Five Central, so it could be uh, weird. six Cleveland. Could... Cleveland's in the East. Oh, Cleveland is EST. Okay, still a little bit early. Um, I think even just circadian rhythm wise. So I think this game is going to be funky. I can say that. I think there'll be some inconsistent. Some guys will play well. Mm-hmm. Some guys will play probably terribly. Uh, it might be some guys you don't expect. So, all that is to say, this could be a fun week. This could be a very uh, exciting, interesting, up-and-down week of basketball. And honestly, now that we've talked through it, I'm not going to make any predictions. I don't want to make any predictions. I'm scared. (laughs) Um, That's about, I mean, that's about where I feel. Um, before we close out, I mean, Rashad, it's always great having you. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, any any parting shots? Anything you want to plug or shout out or any new videos dropping soon? Um, well, as we talked about before, I did drop that uh, KCP defense breakdown. So you guys go watch that. He's been playing some really good all pro defensive player of the year type defense. And I think he's been really impressive. Um, other than that, I do have like this sort of inkling of an idea to start like a Nuggets film room day on the channel. So if I were to start that, I would probably start it at the end of this week. So I'll have more announcements on that stuff on my Twitter at 
aka shod underscore and at dropstep network so that's it nice nice definitely check him out um i feel like i'm i'm definitely one of those people that i love the like little details of basketball and defense is definitely one of those things and uh, especially when we talk about the guys who aren't the Giannis's, the not the Joel mm-hmm. Beans, not the Wemby's of the world. So um, when it comes to defense anyway. So, yeah, go give him a shout out. Check out his YouTube channel. Um, Peter, do you have any any parting shots for for any any anything you've been thinking about just across the NBA? Um, I actually have one. I guess just like. Well, let me cook. So. I just want to say that I, I, this is much more just of a general take, but I'm pretty surprised mm-hmm. that a lot of different teams where they are record wise, and I really shouldn't be because I it's like I forget every year that the the league's not the the, the year isn't going to go exactly according to how you think it's going to go. There's always going to be surprise teams and disappointments, and you know I just I gotta wait longer to let it play out. But also you you know there's been some things here and there that it's like wow, I don't know how they're going to fix that. And then there's other teams you're like, wow, I thought they're going to be way worse and they're like, they're better. So it's just no, no, no hard iron takes there, but it's just like, we, we don't know as much as we think we know, you know, when, when teams make moves, you just kind of got to wait to see, let it play out first. That's fair. Uh, I actually did have one thing I wanted to say before we close out. Look, I'm a, I'm a DMV native. I got to do this for do this for the people uh, of the DMV. Um, oh dear, Washington Wizards! <laughs> Y'all got to get rid of some of these some of these veterans. Like this Jordan Poole thing, I'm not feeling it. Okay, this Kyle Kuzma thing, I'm not feeling it. These guys are not committed to you. Uh, they are not loyal. They are here for themselves. Treat yourself well. Respect yourself and move on. That's all I have to say. The Wizards are already. I'm sorry. They are not the worst team in the league. They're the second worst team in the league. Uh, the Pistons are actually the worst team in the league. They've got the the number one overall pick belt right now. So shout out to them. Looking for, I don't know who, but they need somebody. Uh, so all that has to say, you know, I, I feel for Wes Unseld right now. Wes Unseld Jr. He's in a position where he's been tasked with getting this team to have a culture shift. I think it reflects a lot on Mike Malone. If he can be successful, I think that would be really cool. You know, we talk about coaching trees all the time. And I just feel like the fair shake he deserves is one with players who are willing to buy in to their success. And I would like to see um, – I just want to see good things for him. I just want to see good things for him. I just want to see good things for my DC friends. And, uh, yeah, that, that's about it. Um, yeah, if you got, unless you guys have We're about to change our name from uh, Wizards, Four I'm Corners and Nuggets podcast to uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I think we're about to change our name from Four Corners and Nuggets podcast to Four Corners, Nuggets fans, and Wizard Apologists podcast. <laughs> I'm not a Wizards apologist, okay? I'm – I – I'm a Nuggets fan for a reason. No one is more critical of the Wizards than me. Okay, I I moved across the country to get away from being a Wizards. You fan. left fan, I don't but you still identify. Hate. I love it. Exactly. Like I actively don't identify as being from DC to avoid the association with all DC sports. You don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. 
Okay. <laughs> I didn't think I would get that. In. Okay. I'm, 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 let's, let's, let's go home. I appreciate everybody listening. If you made it this far, you are a real one. Um, yeah, check out Rashad's um, hopefully future, you know, film sessions and his YouTube channel. You can find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw. You can find him at the Dropstat Network on YouTube and AKA Shot on Twitter. You can find Peter at Bucketsons88 on the podcast at Four Corner Pod. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you later. And as always, go Nuggets. Go Nuggets. Yeah, eat them all.